I just want to review for just a, a few moments uh, about what we talked about last week concerning parenting and five keys to parenting with purpose. As we look at Psalm 127, it says this, Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. The Bible says that children are like arrows, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And we said last week, and this is important for us to know, that they did not go buy arrows. They didn't go down to Bass Pro Shops, Cabela's. They didn't go to Gander Mountain and just pick up a set of arrows. Arrows were made. They grabbed a stick, they grabbed a branch, and they began to shape it. They began to cut off the other branches, and they began to shape it and form it. And then ultimately, they would add to it until they got to the point where it was an arrow. So it was something that took time, it was something that took effort, and it was something that took intention. And the psalmist, as he gets inspired from God to write these words, he said that children are like arrows. That means that one day, we are going to launch them from where we are to where God intends for them to be. For some people, we we get 18 years. How many of you know it just goes by so quickly? 18 years. For some, it's 22, 24. However long they live in your home, you are pulling back the bow for those 18, 20 years. And you are launching them. And our prayer is always that they go further, do more, that they end up exactly where God's will, God's plan, and God's purpose for their life is to be. And how well we do our job as parents will determine how far they go in life. And so it's so important for us to understand what God has for us in his word and the instructions that he gives us concerning parenting. So I started to give you some keys, and and let me just give you the first one again. Or let me just say this. We, We gave this to you last week. And we said this, that the purpose of parenting is to raise a godly adult. That's the first thing for you to know. The purpose of parenting is to raise a godly adult. You have to start there. The purpose of parenting is not to raise a talented adult. It's not to raise an educated adult. It's not to raise an athletic adult, financially stable, well-adjusted, right? Independent, happy. That's not the goal. Those are all great pursuits. And if your child, child has a talent, pursue it. If your child has athletic ability, then pursue that. There's nothing wrong with that. We want them to be happy. We want them to be independent. We want them to be financially stable and well-adjusted. That's just not the goal. The goal is godliness. The goal is holiness. The goal is for them to rise up and, and be a godly person. And so everything else is secondary. So The majority of our resources, the majority of our time, the majority of our effort and energy should be going into raising a godly adult. That is the purpose of of parenting. So we start with that, and and so that's where we got, and I I gave you some parenting words, 
And, and last week's was probably the one that we use more than anything else, and it's the word inappropriate. That was last week's parenting word. And I said, you need to know this word, inappropriate. We tell it to our kids all the time. My daughter, uh, uh, you know, from a very young age, my wife would just teach her and say, uh, Hannah, you see that, that what she's wearing? That's inappropriate. Take her shopping and say, no, you can't buy that. Why? Because it's inappropriate. Those, that dress is too short. Those shorts are too tight. That bikini's too small. Uh, that bathing suit's too small. I mean, just, it's, it's inappropriate. And listen, they know what that means. You know, you don't have to get in an argument with them. I, I don't get in these verbal jousts with my kids where we go back and forth, back and forth. They know what appropriate and inappropriate means. And we say, that is inappropriate. I said last week, and I've said for years, dads, you need to take your daughter's bathing suit shopping. You know what a guy thinks. Huh? You know what a, what a guy's looking at, and so you need to be the ones to take your daughter bathing suit shopping. And if she's too embarrassed to come out of the dressing room in front of you, then she shouldn't be wearing it. And so you have to understand, as there's appropriate and there's inappropriate. And so last week's parenting word was inappropriate. That TV show is inappropriate. Huh? That sitcom, it's inappropriate. It's not allowed in this house. Okay? So you have to understand what's appropriate and inappropriate. Today's parenting word is, is also one of my favorites. Are you ready for today's? Okay, here we go. Ready? It's called mine. Mine. Some of you say, my kid knows that one really well. No, we're going to teach it to you from a different slant. Now, the Bible says in Psalms 24 that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So everything belongs to God. We say that about our money, our, our house, our stuff. Everything belongs to God, right? Right? However, listen to this. God gives it to us to manage. So it's not mine to own, it's mine to manage. So everything in the house, I tell my kids all the time, is mine. It's not your room, it's my bedroom. Huh? That phone that I'm I'm letting you borrow, guess what? That phone is mine. The car, my son has a car. Guess what? The car is mine. All of it's mine. What the grandparents bought them is still mine. It's all mine. Everything in this house belongs to me. I can go through it. I can touch it. I can take it. I can do whatever I want with it. It's all mine. You understand? See, we have this thing now with kids where they think they own things. They don't own anything. My kid hasn't paid one mortgage payment. They haven't paid one electric bill. They don't pay the water bill. They don't contribute anything. Listen, they're consumers. They're not providers. God has established me as the provider, so guess what? All of it's mine. The bedroom door stays open because the bedroom is for sleeping and changing clothes. Okay, it's not their apartment. It is for sleeping and changing clothes. We live life in the living room. That's why it's called the living room. Okay, so they don't go in the bedrooms. They don't, they're not allowed to close the doors. They can go in there for a short period of time. Then you come back out. Okay, because we live life in the kitchen, in the living room. So the bedroom is for sleeping and changing clothes. No cable TV. 
in the bedroom. This is not an apartment. All right? So we have to, you have to understand that, that this is ours. I can go through whatever drawers I want to go through because it's all mine. Come on, doesn't that just feel good to say it? Just say it. It's mine. It's all mine. Right? So you need to, you need to understand that. Right? You, that nothing of theirs is, is off limits. It's all mine. Right? And that's important for you to know going forward. And so we said there are some, some keys, and, and keys open doors. And, and listen, grandparents, don't check out on this series, because this is something you need to know so that you can help your kids as they're raising your grandchildren, okay? And if you don't have kids yet, if you're single, if you're married without kids, man, you need to take notes and get this. This isn't something that I've learned all of my life. This is stuff God's given me just over the last couple years, and sometimes just over the last year, just, just some things that God has really helped me to understand in this area of parenting because it's so vital, especially with the, with the situation going on in our nation and, and what's happening with, with all the tension and people just clamoring for more things and more stuff. They just, they just want more stuff. We've got to put a stop to it, okay? Because we didn't grow up like that. In fact, most of you probably in this room did not have your own bedroom growing up. I mean, come on now, am I, am I true? I didn't have my own bedroom until I was 16 years old. Most of us didn't grow up with our own space, and we didn't have our own Facebook. It wasn't all about us, and we weren't taking selfies, okay, every five seconds. It wasn't all about us. But we've got a whole different generation growing up, and their faces stuck to a screen, and we've got to do something about it. And so I want to give you five keys, I believe, to to parenting on purpose, and I gave you one last week. I'm going to give you two more today, and the one last week was this one, consistency. That is the key that's going to open up a door to your child's heart. You have got to be consistent. If you say you're going to do it, you need to do it. If you say, don't touch that, or there will be consequences, you have to follow through with what you say. And here's why. Because if you're not consistent, if you don't follow through, they're going to meet the teacher in school who does. Huh? They're going to find out that a policeman means what he says. They're going to go into the army and they're going to find that sergeant, that drill sergeant, that, that, that person. Somewhere along the way, they're going to find somebody in authority who means what they say. And guess what? They'll find out that there are consequences. And most importantly, we want them to encounter a God. The one thing about our God that we love is he does not change. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God makes good on his promises. And so there's always consequences, both good and bad, to our actions. And we need to be consistent with what we say. And so we gave you that first key, and, and so I want to talk to you about a couple more today, and the next one is this. The second key is acceptance. Acceptance opens the door to a sense of belonging. And this is, this is kind of personal for Cynthia and I because we've walked through adoption. We have children that were born natural birth, and then we have children, a, a child that was adopted. And so... For us, walking through adoption just taught us so much about God and so much about love and, 
and the choices that we make because we chose to say to somebody who does not have our DNA, our genetic makeup, did not come from our loins, we chose to say, you belong in this family. And we love you and we accept you. And every child needs to know that they are loved, they are important, and that they belong. And so let me give you some ways to do that. The first way is this. You have to give them words of affirmation. You cannot say to your children, I love you too much. Okay? You, you have to understand. They need to hear it because some of you didn't hear it growing up. Maybe once or twice or very rarely did you hear those words ever come from a parent's lips. But you need to say it. Listen, if you struggle with that, get over it. I mean, just get over it. Say to your kids that you love them. Look them in the eye. Not a day goes by that I communicate with my children that I don't tell them, I love you, I love you, I love I say it all the time to them. Dads, your daughters need to hear from your lips that they are beautiful, that you love their hair, you love the way they look, you love that dress, you love that outfit, you love everything about it. You need to dole words of affirmation. You need to just say it. You need to say it over and over and over again. If you're a grandparent, this is one area that you can do it, man. You can just say it over and over. We love you, man. You are accepted. You belong here. You're a part of this family. This family would not be the same without you. We tell our kids that this family is not the same without you. You're so important to this family. And so you have to give them words of affirmation. Listen, they need to hear it from your lips. And then the second way is this, physical touch. Man, you have to, you have to touch your kids. You have, to, you have to give them hugs. Listen to me. Children need tons of hugs and tons of kisses. Tons of it. They need, they need hugs. They need embrace. They need to feel the warmth of your body. They need to understand that, that you love them. They need your hands on them in a loving, gentle way. Listen, you need to do that. And, and, and fathers, listen, I, I'm telling you this, you need to wrestle with your boys. I, I, I've said this before, but I, I'll say it again, that Caleb and I broke every bed we ever owned until this one. We just broke it. You say, how did it break? I suplexed him from the corner post. I mean, that's, that's how. I mean, we've had mattresses fall over and, you know, the wife comes running in. Is everybody okay? Everybody's fine. Everybody's fine. Just a couple little stitches necessary. But, it, but we've wrestled all the time. I used to place cinder blocks under the bed. I'd slide to support the bed because I knew, you know. Man, we just would wrestle and we'd wrestle all the time. And he said, Daddy, are we wrestling tonight? Yes. My little five-year-old says the same thing. Daddy, can we wrestle? Yes. And then he just like jumps on me, man. They need that. I I was talking to a man who was a a good friend of mine. He was a minister. And he said, growing up, he had three boys. He said, growing up, I never, ever wrestled with my hands. We never got on the ground and rolled around. We never tussled. We never did any of that stuff. He said, I thought I was too important and that that was too silly. And he says, I regret it to this day. He had three grown men who had families of their own. 
And he says, to this day, I regret not wrestling with my kids. Listen, they need that. They desperately need it in their life. They need to feel your strength. They need to feel your restraint. They need to feel your affection. In Matthew chapter 19, it says of Jesus, Jesus said these words, let the little children come to me, for of such is the kingdom of God. And listen to what it says. And the Bible says, and he laid his hands on them. He blessed them, and then he went off from there. Listen to me, I, I, I just kind of picture this is how God did it. Now, I may be wrong. This isn't in the word of God. This is just my opinion. But when they lined up these kids to see Jesus, I don't think that he just kind of laid his hands on them and said, bless you, my child, move along. Bless you. I don't think he did that. I think Jesus grabbed them, pulled them in, hugged them. You know what I'm saying? What's up, kid? How you doing, boy? And then said to the girls, you look lovely today. Oh, I love your hair. You know, wow. Look, And, and I just think that's what he did. I just think he, he grabbed them and he hugged them and he touched them and he loved on them. See, in some cultures, that's taboo. In some cultures, it's, 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 not, it's not appropriate. I've taught family seminars in different nations where parents don't touch kids. It's beyond a certain age, it never happens. And we've always said to them, the word of God is so much more important than culture. And if your culture says that this is not allowed or this is inappropriate or, or this is taboo, then you need to break that culture barrier. You need to push back those boundaries and you need to love on your kids. You need to tell them you love them and you need to, to touch them and they need to feel your affection. It has to happen. And then the third key is this, discipline. Now, it's not the first one, it's the third one. And the reason is, is because discipline without consistency and acceptance will breed rebellion. So you have to make the determination. The minute you find out, okay, I'm going to have a baby now. All right, this is it. My life changes. You need to make a commitment. We're going to be consistent as parents. We're going to be consistent. Our yes is going to mean yes, and our no is going to mean no. And there's no amount of pleading and begging that's going to change it. We're going to be consistent. Set up boundaries. We're going to be consistent with consequences. Okay? And then the minute they're born, and listen, in fact, before they're born, because children can feel rejection even in the womb. So even before they're born, you just, man, I used to talk to Cynthia's belly all the time. Hey, Caleb, daddy loves you. Come on out in Jesus' name. I'd say things, you know, hurry up, kid. I was convinced the rapture is going to happen. You know, but I was, the rapture is going to take place before this child's born. I was convinced of it. So, so I used to talk to them. But then, so then when they're accepted, but then there comes a time when they need this thing called discipline. Not punishment, it's discipline. And there's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way to do it. But discipline is this. Discipline is giving your child consistent boundaries that have consistent consequences. Consistent boundaries that have consistent consequences. That's what discipline is. Why? Because they just want to know what the boundaries are. They want to know where the sideline is. They want to know how far they can go. Huh? The minute your children walk, they learn to walk away from you. The minute they learn to walk, they try to touch things. 
They try to go places, right? So they need to know where the boundaries are. And the word of God teaches us we have to discipline our children. Listen to what it says. Let me give you some scriptures. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, from the message paraphrase. Here's what it says. A refusal to correct is a refusal to love. Love your children by disciplining them. Proverbs 29, 15 says, the rod and the rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Did you hear that? The rod and rebuke bring correction. It's what's necessary. If not, you're leaving that child to themselves. And you say, well, pastor, you don't understand. I grew up in a home where there was abuse, and I grew up in a home where it was not loving. I grew up in a home where, where I was beat, and, and, and they crossed all sorts of, of boundaries when they disciplined me, and I vowed to never do that to my child. I understand that. and God has compassion and love. Just because, but just because you were disciplined incorrectly, punished incorrectly, does not mean you need to carry that through to another generation. So there's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way to do it. But the Bible clearly says you have to do it. Here's what Hebrews chapter 12 says. It's speaking of God, and here's what it says. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Listen to what it says. Who ever heard of a child who's never disciplined by his father? Who ever heard of that? It's like the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, if you have a child, you have to discipline them. It is necessary for them to be what God created them to be, Go and do what God created them to do. They have to have discipline in their life. It is a necessary thing. If you don't love, I mean, if you don't correct, the Bible says you really don't love them. Now, I understand that in this day and age, every kid gets a trophy. Every kid is special. Every kid is unique, and there's no kid like your kid. But guess what? They're still going to test boundaries. Even the best kids do it, right? I, I mean, you know, and they come out differently. I had a child come out that just, I mean, they almost never needed, I think, two in their lifetime. And then I have a five-year-old right now who tests every boundary that has ever been created in the history of the world, okay? But I don't want to leave him to himself because the Bible says a child left to himself will bring shame to his parents. So I have to be willing to say, okay, I'm up for the challenge. Huh? I'm up for the challenge. And so the Bible teaches us that we are supposed to have the rod of correction. So the Bible says that we're supposed to spank. And there's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way to do it. Now, I've done it wrong many times. I don't believe you're supposed to use your hand, and that's very difficult because your hand is right here. I mean, it's just, it's at the end of your arm, and it's so easy to access, okay? And then they also say, never spake in anger. I'm like, how is that supposed to happen? So I've done it wrong many times. But by God's grace, and along with a lot of other people helping me, I've had to learn how to spank correctly, and there's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way to do it. So let's talk about the right way to spank your children. 
Okay, because I understand that in the society that we live in, it's getting more difficult to talk about this. They're just going to have to throw me in jail because here's what the Word of God says, and this is what we should do. So there's a right way to spank and a wrong way. Larry Stockstill said this, nothing produces character quite like pain. Hallelujah. Not a great amount of pain, but a small amount of pain guess what? Little Johnny and little Susie will live, okay? And it will help them. So at what age should you start spanking? The Bible actually has a scripture on it. Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 15, is talking about Jesus, okay? And it's giving a prophetic verse about Jesus. The virgin in verse 14 shall, shall bear a child. And it says this in verse 15. When he is weaned, in other words, when he's eating curds and honey, then he will know the difference between what is good and and what is not good or what is evil. So the Bible says this, that when children are weaned from breastfeeding, so you could say this, about the age of two, somewhere between one and a half and two, hopefully not much longer, and all the women said, amen. That's when you should start the discipline process. That's when you should start disciplining your child. And you have a window, usually till about the age of 12. Now, I know many of you, it went much further past 12, all right? Some of y'all were 18 and turned over somebody's knee. But, but really about the age of 12, if you do your job right, okay, you have about a decade where you should physically spank your child, all right? And there's a right way to do it. Thankfully, God built our bodies in such a way that he designed a place for the wooden spoon to land. Right here, okay? This is the place. It's not only for sitting down, it's also where the spoon goes. I said to Elias a couple weeks ago, look, I've bought you some spoons. He didn't look so thrilled. And, and we're down two already. It's already, we've already lost two, so I'm down to three. But we don't use our hand. We, we, we grab a wooden spoon, and you have to understand this. Spanking is an event. Sometimes I think it's an Olympic sport because it requires a lot of dexterity. Okay, so I've learned this over, in fact, I've learned this just recently. We grab a wooden spoon, and we take him into the bedroom. Okay, you're going to go into the bedroom. Because it's a, it's a private thing, and we don't want to do that in front of the other kids and embarrass him. So we take him into the bedroom. Now, we didn't, it doesn't always happen, but this is the way we've been doing it the last while. We take him into the bedroom, and we explain to him what happened. Okay, you did this. And you know that's not right, and the consequences to that. So you have a choice. You can get one paddling, or you can get three. If I have to do it, and force you to do it, you're going to get three. But if you choose, then you only get one. And so spanking will take about 10 minutes. Now, why don't we do it? Because we're lazy. Because we're tired. Because we just did it 30 minutes ago. There's lots of reasons, okay? <laughs> because my, one of mine gets mine a lot, okay? It gets a lot. And let's face it, sometimes it's just easier to just say, I'll oh, forget it. Sometimes it's just easier to go, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll catch it tomorrow. 
But listen to what the word of God says. A refusal to correct is a refusal to love. And so it's about a 10-minute event. We go into the bedroom, what he did, and he has a choice. He can get one or he can get three, and sometimes it's three. Okay? And then here's what I do. After every spank, we pray. I lead him in confession. And he prays. He's got tears streaming down his face. And I say, now repeat these words after me. Dear God, please forgive me. And I just lead him in this prayer of confession. And then afterwards, I grab him and I hug him. And I tell him I love him. And I don't want to do this, but he's going to be an obedient child. That's the way we're going to raise him. He's going to obey. And I love him. And I kiss him. And then we never talk about it again. That's it. And then he just goes right on. And guess what? He's okay. He's fine. And it's necessary. And it's the right thing to do. And, and, and here's why. Because I love that boy so much. And I know that one day I'm going to launch him. The arrow's just, I mean, the, the bow's just being pulled back, and the arrow's just going to be launched. And I want him to do so much more than I've ever done. I want him to go so much further. My daughter, my other son, I want them to do so much more for God than I've ever had the opportunity to do. And it will only happen if I do my job right. Would you do this today? Would you bow your heads and, and close your eyes with me this morning? On top of 